You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. That to me made me realize like that's what I was doing for a long time. I was wasting fucking time. I like some people, you know, it's it's their thing. Some people are down for the bar life and you know, I don't judge them for that. But for me myself, I wanted to do a music career and each time I would go, even if I would have one or two beers after a shift and I'll go home, that one or two beers would cancel me out for any sort of productivity at the end of the day. And I was like, yo, fuck this. Like, I want a tour. I want to write this album. And I've always been bitching about needing the free time to do it, but I'm using my free time stupidly right now. And all the money that I wanted to spend on cool new gear that everybody has that I don't, that was all spent on alcohol as well. That shit adds up. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lies, music, and craft beer. I most certainly hope you had an excellent weekend. I most certainly did. And now, people, we are entering the final week of Vox and Hops' sober February. I hope that you guys have been enjoying this. I personally really have been. It is something truly important, um, something that I think that a lot of us should think about, something that we should ponder, uh, is uh, our relationship with alcohol. And Vox and Hops' Sober February was all about promoting a balanced relationship with alcohol. I'm very proud of the episodes which I released this month, and I hope that you guys enjoyed them, because I think it's a subject that is very important, and I would hope that you do too. This episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter when there isn't a global pandemic. They normally put on a bunch of amazing concerts here in Montreal, but more than that, they also put on one of North America's sickest metal festivals, and trust me when I say this, it's the absolute truth, because I have played just about every fest out there. I've played Wacken, I've played Loud Park, I've played Hellfest, I've played Summer Breeze, and Heavy Montreal is up there with the best of them. I'm super stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hobbs podcast. I'm very stoked to tell you that today's Vox and Hops underrated gem hails all the way from Brisbane, Australia. This is a track from a very cool project called Monsters Around Us, taken from their release Inverted Signs, which just dropped on February 18th. Get ready, people. This is Virus Eternus.
man, that was cool. I really, really enjoy this project. I really enjoy the vibe. I like how it is hypnotic. If you enjoyed Virus Eternus, taken from the brand new album from Monsters Around Us called Inverted Signs, make sure you go and support them on their social media accounts and on their Bandcamp account. The links to those are available in the description of this podcast. I'm a fan, and I think that you should be too. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to encourage you to subscribe to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast if you have not already. If you already have, something else that you could do would be to rate it and write a review, because when you do that, more metalheads just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You have to imagine this as if you were shopping for something. What do you do? You scroll down and you go and check out those reviews that people have written. If there's a bunch of great reviews, what are you going to do? You're going to buy the product. It's the exact same thing when people are looking for a new podcast to invest their time in. They don't want to waste their time on a podcast that sucks. So what do they do? They go down and they read the reviews to see what other other people have said about the podcast. So if you write a review for the Vox and Hops Metal podcast, you could be the person that helps sway someone to become a new Vox and Hops head. And that would be something that I would appreciate greatly. Also, I'd like to invite you to sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast newsletter, which you can do on my website, voxandhops.com. That is V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast throughout that past week, including all the details for any episodes which I have dropped throughout that week, as well as if I have been a guest on someone else's podcast, as well as the links for upcoming live interviews at Thirsty Thursdays, and the links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is curated by my man, Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself. Do yourself a favor, join the party, sign up to the Vox and Hops newsletter, because I don't want you guys to be missing a single thing. Now, on today's episode, I am with Michael Alvarez, the vocalist of Flub. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 234. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Michael Alvarez of Flub. Uh, he used to sing for a band called Alter Beast, and uh, we have actually never met face-to-face, but uh, we've been friends online for quite some time, and I'm very stoked to have a chat with you today. Let's start with a very, very simple conversation starter. How have you been coping with this glorious year that we just finished of 2020? Uh, just, you know, taking it step-by-step step every day. Got a, a lot of things that we had planned and a lot of things that I wanted to get done last year that were all put on hold, and... I was very angry about that, I guess. So mm-hmm. try to utilize my time to level up in any way I can and like just trying to keep productive every day. Now that like there's no distractions of having to go so many places all the time, like and having to kind of stay in tucked away like a princess in a castle, you know, just fucking <laughs> just working on <laughs> learning shit and trying to keep writing and just putting myself out there as an artist still because like, I love music, and I just want to keep doing it, and nothing's going to stop me, not a stupid pandemic. I think that there's no excuse for artists not to be creating right now, because, you know, we're, we're cocooned away. 
we we have all the time in the world there there's no excuses of having to you know relearn songs from our our back repertoire we because we're going out on tour we we have nothing but time on our hands to get things creatively done oh yeah no like that that's the thing is i feel for the longest time i was i was working like in a restaurant like fucking 12 hour days seven days a week all the fucking time and like it's a two-hour trip for me to go to work and a two-hour trip for me home so I would come home and I would only have like really realistically probably like an hour and you know I have a partner so like you gotta spend time with your partner and be with your family and do you know normal life stuff so for the longest time the only time I could do anything musically was touring and scheduling it like ahead in advance and taking the days off of work to make it happen and now that I don't have like a job out in the industry anymore and like with this whole pandemic where you have to stay inside like it's just been like a blessing in disguise because it's all the free time that I've been asking for for years and like when the hell are we ever going to get this again you know like you haven't had this kind of free time since we were kids and even then when we were kids you're on your parents schedule you're kind of going with them <laughs> everywhere where they got to do or you know like you got to go to school so like when can you get this kind of free time ever again might as well use it. I agree, a hundred percent. Let's dance into your youth. You're mentioning being young. Uh, what would be the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents' or guardians' house? What music was playing when you were not in control of the music? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? Um, that was a good question. Um, I, I like my my upbringing. I've kind of like like music was uh, when I was younger. It was very scarce. Um, like my parents or my parents themselves, uh, they kind of had a on and off thing going on. So mm-hmm. my earliest memory I can fathom from that is like my mom usually was always playing oldies and R and B when I was like a baby in the car and like singing to me and whatnot. And I, I I've always been somebody who just likes music that grooves and is like very serenading. And my mom, she's from Compton, so like she fucking listens like G Funk and like Snoop Dogg and all this other crazy shit. But like for the most part, it's like a lot of R&B classics and old, like, fucking Rosie and the Originals or fucking, what is that one song, that Sleepwalker song, the Johnny and Santos song? Uh, that's usually the soundtrack of my youth. Is this, like, really mellow fucking, or if you listen to War, you know, fucking Why Can't We Be Friends? <laughs> that's <love> my jam. <laughs> Anything that kind of just grooves in that kind of realm is very ambient and just, like, a collective of music and sounds. I'm just kind of in that headspace most of the time. At what point did you find your first love, your first band that was yours? It was nobody else's. You discovered it, and it was your cherished, cherished gem. That was Corn when I was, I think I was probably in kindergarten or first grade when I first became, holy like, shit, you know, a like knowing what an artist was like before it was always just music was playing and like my parents would like sing stuff to me and I always like kind of just knew those songs but I remember my older brother and my cousins were like fucking getting like cassette tapes and they're like recording songs off the radio and like just making mixtapes and like yes my older brother like he would go after school to my cousin's house and they would like have a radio and like record stuff that was like playing off of K-Rock in LA and uh he would just bring it back and I would like kind of just listen to the cassette tapes when he wasn't and I just remember like it was just like the whole sound bit before the the single of like uh, falling away from me 
And just like the announcer for K-Rock's like, Korn, number one single, falling away from me. And then the song just like drops. And like, that just like burned into my head. Like, this band's name is Korn. That's so stupid. But like, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, like, I remember my very first time on Google, the first thing I, the first time I was ever on the internet, the first thing I looked up was Korn. And just started. Wow finding out all this information about them and seeing all the like the imagery that was going on so up to that point i had only heard that one song off of the cassette tape and i would just play it back and forth all the time and then yeah the internet seeing the visual like aspect of everything going on it like it really like intrigued me because at, at this point in time i grew up in a, a jehovah's witness kind of like family so it was like very like you know the music's the devil. You're not supposed to be paying attention to any of that stuff. Don't be happy. I was like, damn. Yeah, it was pretty sick. It uh, it became an unhealthy obsession. My older brother, he ended up getting like a corn and limp biscuit cassette tape, and we had to like hide it from my grandma. And like we were like sneaking out and listening to it like on our Walkman. And yeah, I was like in first grade, and that happened. That just like changed my world from like slow grooving stuff to just like metal and just, like what being an artist is. That's very interesting. And hiding it made it that much cooler, right? Oh, yeah. No, it made me value music a lot more, I feel like. I remember growing up before the internet and before Spotify. And, like, you like for us, it said music was scarce. So, like, I fucking, whatever I had and I, like, loved it, like, I could never get enough of it. And it was, like, hard because, like, my family, it took a long time for my family to kind of like really grow into a more musical family, I guess. Like mm-hmm. my mom and dad both like love music and like, they're like more just like big uh, fans of like just everything. So like they would just like educate me on like this person from this band did this. And he's like, you know, Randy Rhodes and died this way and Cliff Burton. And it's like, it was like, I kind of just got like an extra education from both sides, but like it took a while to get there because of this whole religious thing that was like my upbringing and like, yeah, like up until that point I had only ever had like that corn cassette tape and like whatever we had like taken off of the radio and like I had to make that work for like most of my elementary school years. That's insane. That's that's just, you must have been once you got out there and and realized how deep this rabbit hole went. Oh man, no. Just just like a, a kid in a candy store. <laughs> no, it fucked me up. <laughs> I, I am who I am today because of it, but yeah, it, it was it was like weird cuz like for me I felt like the only thing I'd really like known anything about growing up aside from music was like cartoons. Hmm. So like it gave me something new to obsess over that like helped like my imagination start seeing things and yeah, like made me to who I am today. I'm just a music nerd. I love it. I love it. Take me to your first time seeing a live show. Oh, can you guess what band that would be? <laughs> I would guess it's Corn, and they were up there in one of my first too, so that's fun. Oh yeah, uh, it was uh, 2002, the Pop Sucks tour with Corn, Disturbed, and Trust Company in Sacramento, California. Hmm. I was 10 years old. I remember that show like it was yesterday because, like, my dad was like super stoked on like I think he got the tickets off of like a local radio station, like he won them, oh, that's and cool. like he surprised like me and my brother with them. Like we're both just like you know. We, my older brother, he he was a little more knowledgeable in music than I was because he's like four years older than me. But like he also like 
became obsessed with Corn around the same time I did. So it was kind of just both of us having this fandom of like this band. And my dad surprises both with corn tickets, so like we like lost our minds. And I remember just fucking getting there and just being so overwhelmed because like we're in this big arena and so many people and everybody's singing along and flashing lights. And I got contact high, I'm sure. <laughs> and I just remember like corn had this stage set up that was like um like a giant fuzzy screen TV. It's supposed to be like their uh, their here to stay music video. And like they open up their set and like everything just drops, the curtains drop, and it's just like big flashing TV. And like seeing like the whole set front to back, because at that point in my time, I had already like listened to several corn albums. I was like, yeah, like I had like five years of listening to corn. And I like was really obsessed with uh, the Issues album. That was like the first album that we got on the cassette tape. And like I really like fell in love with. And they played like a bunch of songs off of that album during that set, which I was like really stoked to hear. And like, it felt like it was something I was waiting for my whole life. Cause like, those are the songs that I had grown up listening to. And they're like my anthems. They're songs I listened to while I was like falling asleep as a kid. And like, as soon as like, you see like that first live version of that and it's like super powerful and everybody's like 10,000 people screaming their fucking heads off. And like, it was life changing. It, It like, it gave me like a different like experience that what I first had when I first heard the music and liked it. It just like, it felt like you were actually a part of that whole, like part of that song. Like your energy is connected with it. And yeah, I fucking lost my mind. Shit was cool. As soon as I left that place, I knew I wanted to just keep going to concerts. It was like, I need to see this all the time. I need to see like everything. That's amazing. Did you imagine yourself on stage at that point? Was it something that you aspired to be? Were you already interested in being a vocalist? Um, I can't say that was my instant inspiration to start writing and like performing as an artist. I know it kind of clicked the idea in my head that it would be really cool to just like be in that environment all the time. And like, I remember like watching MTV and shit and like the show, like, you know, fucking unplugged sessions and all these other like back behind the scenes stuff and like i always thought it was cool just to see people like backstage like those people who are like a part of this whole working machine so like in my head i was like i wanted to be a part of that like society but it wasn't until i was like 14 i kind of like started wanting to play music and become an artist and it was just like a couple uh, a handful of different instances that really just like nailed it in my head that I wanted to be a performer. Uh, mainly, like, you know, my older brother, he started playing guitar before me, and, like, I thought it was very interesting seeing him, like, learn how to do songs that, like, we really liked and whatnot, and he kind of, like, taught me a handful of things, and, like, I felt really accomplished after, like, doing a couple of songs. I learned, like, some Misfit songs, super easy chords and shit, but, like, I just felt really accomplished with myself, and I felt like every time I, like, started playing something, like, it felt like that was a better way to like express myself than just like sitting down and being angry all the time. That is true. So yeah, it ended up just developing into an obsession. And I, I only became a vocalist because like I, one, I always wanted to be somebody who could like just be self-sufficient. I hate asking for help. So I like try to do as much as I can on my own and stretch myself thin all the time. But mainly it's just like, I need to, be able to do everything I can on my own to make it sound good enough for the idea in my head then I could outsource to people who are like way better than me and like, you'll make this sound <laughs> sick just enough just smart <laughs> 
Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsheads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. This is a Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops episode. Um, so I would like to talk about your experience playing Montreal. Well, I've only played Montreal once, I believe. That was on the Rivers and Nile tour. I'm trying to remember the name of oh, the shit, venue. You, it was at Piranha Bar, and it's oh yeah, Piranha Bar. Wait, no, then I have played there multiple times. Uh, I played there twice. I played there with Alter Beast and with Flub. It's so funny because I totally swung by Piranha Bar. I had a very young, who's now a four-year-old, baby at the time, and I totally just swung by just to say hi to the rivers boys because i i had just finished a tour with them and i i went upstairs i said hi get some hugs because i was downtown at the time and i totally just went back home so we we, I, we could have met that day which is very interesting yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think about that all the time like uh for instance like my bandmates in flub like we talk about shows that we went to as kids but like we also didn't meet each other till like way later down the line yeah, like we're all just pretty much standing next to each other in the same room like 20 times and it just eventually pinballed into each other's lives. <laughs> Do you have any memories of playing Montreal that uh, stand out for you? Definitely. I, I Both shows are very, very interesting experiences and both really good crowd reactions. And like the, the first show we played with the Rivers and we did that one over there, like that was just like a really good tour in general. And like for me... I, I've always looked up to uh, Malcolm from Inferi and like, yeah, man. you know, all the Rivers guys and whatnot. So it was like just a dream come true for me to be in a different country and performing and playing with bands that it, like I've idolized. And and that day, like we got there like fairly early and pretty much all the bands were just hanging out beforehand. And like, I just remember sitting out front of the place and smoking cigarettes with Malcolm and just like talking about life with like somebody that I idolized. And it was like, it just felt right. felt cool. Like just that's where I wanted to be in life. And I was definitely there, but I remember somebody told me not to eat the poutine from the place downstairs. And I was like, fuck y'all. I'm going to eat poutine because I've never been here in Montreal trying poutine. And it was like the worst mistake of my life. Cause like I was already like when doors were opening at the venue, like my fucking stomach was killing me. I was like, I got to probably shit myself before we play. And on stage are just like gassy as hell. I was dying. So, that, that was a very horrid experience but other than that like the crowd reaction was like insane everybody was like great energy and had a good time uh, great crowd and then our friends from depths of hatred came through which was sick uh, our 
my first tour with Alter Beast, uh, we had Depths of Hatred come as uh, like direct support pretty much, and that was their first time in the United States, which was like really awesome. We got to bond with them really well and host them over at uh, our guitarist Andrew's house and shit. They saw the ice cream truck for the first time. They like lost their <laughs> minds. It was beautiful. <laughs> and yes, you 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 did the classic mistake of eating the putsin before the set versus after. Oh, and my second time playing there actually. I did make this mistake, but it was unknowingly because the second time we played there with Flub, um, it was a uh, Flub uh, brought by Pain and uh, our friends in Become Astral. Yeah, man. And the Become Astral dudes are like, yo, last time that we ate the poutine here, uh, like one of the guys threw up. I'm like, ah, oh, like I ate it like last time. It didn't make me throw up, but like I'm gonna shit myself, whatever. And like we're there. At the venue, and I spent all day pretty much avoiding the poutine. <laughs> I was like, yo, like, I, I, made, I learned my mistake from last time. But, like, playing there a second time, like, uh, there was, like, a good handful of people that came from that first show back with Ultra Beast that came through the second one, and they are like, all talking to me and shit, and got to go, like, hang out and catch up with people, and before I knew it, like, we had to play, and I was like, oh, damn it, like, I didn't eat anything at all today we got here. So I, like, ran to the back, and I, like, found this, like, half-eaten poutine <laughs> that my guitarist, Victor, left behind. And I was, like, looking at it, and I was looking at the stage. I'm like, I would just take a couple of quick bites because I need something in my stomach to perform or else I'm going to throw up. So I ended up eating a couple of bites, and halfway through the set, again, I kind of have a similar experience as the first one. And we had a great show, that one, too. Everybody was great. Good crowd. I think we headlined that show, and people stayed, which was nice because, you know, we're a bunch of nobodies, so... It makes you feel, you know, loved. <laughs> I remember people talking about that show. I really do. <laughs> Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Now, what are you drinking on your side? This is uh, Vox and Hops' sober February, so I am hooking up with guests who no longer partake with alcohol. So, so what are you drinking on your side right now? This here is Signature Select Seltzer Water Unflavored. This is stronger than Bud Light. <laughs> tastes better that's for sure <laughs> uh on my side i'm also going with something that's non-alcoholic this is ral bucks matinee this is a non-alcoholic nice. ipa it is uh absolutely delicious i've had it before i love this brewery they make a bunch of great beers across you know any style they just kill it kill it kill it and uh their rep uh, pa is one of the coolest humans in craft beer here in montreal i'm gonna crack this pour this out and uh let's touch on the fact that you are sober how long have you been sober let's start with that uh, about a year and 10 months or something that's amazing it's getting close to two years um i i myself when i first quit drinking i did partake in a lot of like the non-alcoholic beers it really did help me wean off that like one mm -hmm. but like i started realizing it that too is still just as as an expensive habit as alcohol is already so that's true <laughs> like I, I i would find myself at shows like i wouldn't like drink a million of them you know i drink like one maybe two like if i really had like bad cravings but like the second one would like fill you up and you just like you're, you're good to go but It'll still start, you know, 15, 20 bucks racking up. And I like, you know, supporting my local bars when I'm on tour and whatnot. But when you're in a band that, like, you know, not necessarily well known, you're still trying to get your name out there. It's not like you could spend all that money every night. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's been 
It's been a while. Uh, my last time drinking, I woke up. It was uh, my very last tour with Alter Beast. I um, I had already quit the band at this point, but I got asked to uh, just do one last run because like it was like already booked and we had like a just a situation with having to get a whole lineup together for it. And that sounds stressful. Yeah, the guy just asked me. Yeah, it was a little stressful, but like you know, dude handled it like a pro, which was like cool. Like that was like my last run with the guys and. I didn't have to do anything really. I just had to show up and perform, so that was like a good feeling. And yeah, like I remember coming back after that week, and I was already like trying to like lay lay low on drinking at that week. But I like I don't know. I was like having I was drinking every day of that like little run, but I wasn't necessarily like enjoying it. And I got home, or we got home from the last day of the run. Um, it was the morning of St. Patrick's day and I immediately, as soon as we got out of the car, like at eight in the morning, I got an Uber, went all the way to my old job in downtown Sacramento and like waited for them to open. As soon as they opened, I was like first guy there and I ordered a beer. Wow. I was like drinking beer, like just crack of dawn. I was like, ah, this is going to be my last beer. And I just paid for my beer, ate lunch and then I went home. Wow. And yeah, I haven't, I've had one incident as of this whole sobriety where I've accidentally drank, but it wasn't like anything I even knew was possible. I, it was like, I got blindsided. I was like chilling, uh, while we're like traveling to another spot on this tour and somebody had vodka in a, in a water bottle. And I didn't know it was fucking vodka. I thought it was water. And I started like coughing hella bad because I was smoking weed and I was like, oh, dude, like, I need, like, just need something to clear my throat and grabbed a bottle full of vodka and, like, wow. hit it really hard and spat it all over myself because it just, like, surprised the shit out of me. But other than that, you know, I haven't, like, had any other interactions with alcohol, so. That's amazing, dude. I'm very, very good for you to, to have the strength to get through this. Uh, let's touch on exactly how you did that. What steps did you take? You, you woke up, you had that last beer, and in your mind, you knew it was your last beer, uh, how did you stay away from it? Because I know it's not easy. Uh, it was definitely pretty difficult. Um, I believe, yeah, you know, I haven't seen a doctor in a long time, but uh, you know, I believe I'm pretty much an addict. Uh, I've had substance abuse issues in the past, and uh, as far as alcoholism goes, I have alcoholism in my bloodline in my family, and like, there's been like a bunch of dudes in my family died from like cirrhosis of the liver and shit. Wow. So. It's kind of like, you know, already in my blood and I've known this for a long time and I've, you know, there's been times where I have like quit drinking for a couple months at a time and I'll come back to it. And it was always like, I was in my head when I would quit, I was just like taking breaks. Hmm. I never wanted to say I was quitting, but like there was a point where I was on tours and like, I remember it was like Alter Beast's uh, Feast CD release tour. I remember we had like a 24 pack of Coors like on our rider every night and like some places wouldn't get us a 24 pack of Coors they'll get us like three fucking like big cases of just like random beers and just like here you guys go it was more than what you asked for and like after like two weeks of like intense drinking every night with the band like people like in the band just like don't want to drink and I was like yo these beers are piling up I'm gonna start drinking them. So I would drink, like, as soon as I woke up, I would roll over and just, like, get a beer out of, like, whatever box and just drink. 
and just kind of keep it coasting all day. And I noticed it was like probably like seven or eight days straight. I pretty much just did that. I didn't really eat at all. I was just drinking like every day. I was like, wow, that's pretty fucked up. I shouldn't be alive right now. So I, that was like one of my first moments in my head where I realized that I really did need to stop drinking or at least start taking it slower. And from there, I started like trying to wean myself off and taking small breaks and like I would take like, you know, two or three days at a time away and I'll like have a day where I'll like drink a couple of beers or like I give myself like allowance of like a six pack only. And eventually, like I said, when it came to that last Alter Beast tour, like as soon as I like the the reason I just like had that last one and like just made the decision to stop, uh, I had remembered a friend of mine. Uh, we, we've we both have like we've been friends for like half of our lives and uh, we've always had the subject of like self-control. We've always talked about, you know, how to control your own mental self because, you know, your brain's smarter than yourself. So like this guy's always getting one on you. That's true. And we're, we're talking about like, you know, just self-control in general and like how to handle it. And I remember talking to him in the past when I first was trying to quit drinking and a friend of ours had passed away and he was um he was like a big drinker like that was like one of our things with him was we we're always partying we always drank like black tooths and whatnot and like he ended up passing away and it was around like uh the same week i had decided to start being sober hmm. so i ended up relapsing the day he passed away because everybody gathered and started drinking like the instant we found out he passed and we ended up doing a memorial show for him a couple months later. And at that point I was like trying to be sober again. And I remember being at the show and just seeing everybody with alcohol. I was like, yo, like I told my friend, like, give me a shot. And he's like, no, you're trying to stay sober. He said, if you, if you really mean what you want, you're not going to keep finding reasons to keep drinking. You're just going to stop. And that kind of stuck with me. Like it, like rang ahead in my head years later and I just said yeah you're right I just got to stop getting beer just force myself to not order it anymore if I'm going to go up to a bar top order fucking water or order food don't order beer and I've just kind of been sticking to that I've had like the non-alcoholic beers when I get the really bad cravings but for the most part seltzer water does like the same placebo effect and is cheaper it really does it kind of just stuck with these and it stays dehydrated. You're supposed to drink a lot of water as a person. So I know a lot of people don't drink a lot of water like they should. That is true. That is true. You said that you, you before we started recording that, that you no longer wake, wake up hungover. Hangovers don't dictate your life anymore. You're not just always dehydrated. That's the thing. Cause like people don't realize like how much of a cycle it could be. Like I, for instance, was, I've been, or I was in the restaurant industry for 10 years and I wasn't a bartender, but I was always been back at the house and there's been times, you know, you work a hard shift and you're like, fuck, fuck this day. We got off. It's like four o'clock. Let's have a beer and then like go home and deal with the shit again tomorrow. Think of it this way. Like, you know, you get paid like minimum wage, like over here. I don't know what minimum wage is anymore, but like say it's like 12 bucks an hour, you know, and 12 bucks an hour, you work probably six hours in your shift and then at the end of your day, you got to fucking buy like several beers after that, which if you're buying at bars, you're pretty much like half your day was wasted towards three beverages. And 
alcoholism is fairly synonymous in the restaurant industry because say like there's shift beers, there's bartenders who help out and like, you know, they'll hook up uh, their own employees. There's uh, like for me, the community that I was in, everybody on the block was like popular restaurants and we all worked at each other's restaurants at some point and we all knew the bartenders. Everybody always partied together. So like you could get free drinks like anywhere at all times. And like, if you just get one free drink, you're going to kind of like snowball into continuously staying there and like paying for drinks and buying more. And I've seen it happen with several of my old coworkers where they're like, they're very talented individuals. And I tried to like, I try to like, you know, be all corny and motivational. Like, come on, dude, let's like write a mixtape together. You know, let's get the creative juices flowing. Let's have some fun. And they're always talking about, yeah, we're working on something. We're working on something. But I always see them at the bar at the end of the day. And like, they're, they never do anything. They're just there. And I quit that job and I would come back for years afterwards. And I, if I wouldn't hit them up, I would just go to one of those random bars that I know they would be there. And that, that to me made me realize like, that's what I was doing for a long time. I was wasting fucking time. I like some people, you know, it's, it's their thing. Some people are down for the bar life and you know, I don't judge them for that. But for me, myself, I wanted to do a music career and each time I would go, even if I would have one or two beers after a shift and I'll go home, that one or two beers would cancel me out for any sort of productivity at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I was like, yo, fuck this. Like, I want to tour. I want to write this album. And I've always been bitching about needing the free time to do it, but I'm using my free time stupidly right now. And all the money that I wanted to spend on cool new gear that everybody has that I don't, that was all spent on alcohol as well. That shit adds up. It absolutely does, yeah. Good for you to have realized it, to have stuck to it. Uh, Where have you found support to keep you straight and, and focused? Um, a little bit from, you know, like my bandmates as well as my partner, like my partner, they didn't necessarily drink much when we got together. Like I was drinking when we, we started dating, but definitely like I was already kind of like going on the on and off modes of that. And they like hardly ever drank except for like rare occasions, like new year's Eve and shit. Me making a decision to pretty much just drop it out of my life. My partner as well, just like, all right, cool, yeah, I'll do it with you. Like, we're not, we're not drinking. We're not gonna like influence each other That's to do amazing. it. And I smoked a lot of cigarettes too. I I quit cigarettes the week after. Wow, you really just went all, <laughs> you went all at it. I love it. <laughs> like, like me being an addict, I still have very addictive tendencies. Like, say, like I drink seltzer water like insane amounts and. Uh, instead of smoking cigarettes, I smoke weed and more weed ever like than ever. So (laughs) that's okay. As long as you're doing good and you feel good. Uh, let's talk about how much of a part of your identity was the drinking. You'd go out on tour. Uh, you would be that guy that would roll out of the van, roll out of the ice cream truck already half in the bag. Uh, people come and they get to know you at the shows and they know you as this person that likes to drink. Uh, how difficult was it for you going back out on tour and being sober? Oh yeah, that was, <laughs> that was really awkward. <laughs> Cause like sometimes people just don't accept the, 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 the quick answer, you know, people are like, Hey, you want a drink? I'm like, nah, I'm good. And they're like, why? <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, like just no, like you don't have to ask somebody why just like, Hey, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> but 
and I'm like, it was a little weird at first, especially here in, in our hometown, just because like our local music scene, I've partied like all those motherfuckers for the last 20 years of my life. And there's been different instances we've had like all over every venue. And some of them have seen me at like, like my very bad like points in life and seen me like where alcohol was doing really bad on my end. But a lot of people always knew like I'm somebody who can keep drinking and could stay up like pretty much all night drinking. And for the most part, I feel like I'm, when I am drunk, I was somebody who would, I don't know, I was like a little loud and obnoxious. So I would like kind of kill the vibe a little bit. And like being on the road, I felt like metal bands and like metal show environments, people are down to get rowdy. So like people liked that I was like a little obnoxious and like playful. But yeah, it it was, it was kind of weird. I felt I started feeling like it was like expected of me to get like really messed up all the time. And like I, when I first, uh, I try to remember the first tour I did entirely sober. I think it was the flub tour that we did in Canada. And that one, it was just like every day I would just kind of look around and like, we're playing shows to like 20, 30 heads at a time. So it's not like crazy big shows and it's like not a lot of people there. So you kind of like sitting around and just like looking at the bar and like trying to like fight that urge mm-hmm. to just go like sit at the bar top and like smell beer. at least. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I was trying out more of the, uh, for the non-alcoholic beers, but I was trying to find the ones that have the zero percent. Cause I know there's like, those like Odules or something to have like the 0.5 or something and the 0.5. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about stepping onto stage sober? Cause I know a lot of people, Oh man, you know, they use alcohol, <laughs> you know, stepping on stage, being an artist is something, but actually getting up on the stage, it is a bit of a persona. It's, it's a, you know, another part of our brain that takes over. And a lot of people would use drugs and alcohol to, to mask their fear. of the crowd Mm -hmm. is that something that you were doing and then doing that sober how was that um no i've i've had this really cool cheat code my whole (laughs) life for performing is like i am incredibly blind without my glasses like i can't see (laughs) fucking shit i am useless i lost my glasses on one tour like a week before getting home i was like the most useless bandmate (laughs) of all time couldn't co-pilot couldn't do anything couldn't even load gear like correctly because i couldn't see whose gear was what (laughs) But, um, yeah, I, uh, instead of, instead of drinking on stage, I've always taken off my glasses mm-hmm. and that usually helps me get into the zone cause I can't see anybody's faces. And like, if I get in somebody's face, who's like close to the front, like I definitely can't tell who they are or if they actually are screaming the right <laughs> lyrics. I just could see like forehead grease and like hair and like blur. But as far as like being sober and performing, I do find like I am a little more anxious when I'm like up there on stage because I'm like I feel more self-aware of my environment now Mm. instead of like kind of just going for it and like tripping over things occasionally and like accidentally ripping out your like microphone cable which like I've done a million times but like yeah I definitely feel more cohesive on stage I feel like more like precise with what I'm doing with my body and like how I'm like projecting my vocals and like saving my breath with ultra beast. Like I was, I was pretty like smashed in a couple of sets that we've done. And like, 
I feel like I I did a really good job vocally, but like I would like go too intense on stage or like I'll headbang and probably like smack my head into the monitor and have like a big welt in my head and just like not paying attention to my surroundings. I stepped on a fucking nail once. Oh, Jesus. No, that's no fun. <laughs> that was in Lubbock, Texas. I remember because the stage was super massive and like we're headlining bands. So there's nobody else's gear on the stage. And I'm just, yeah, hey, I'm going to explore this stage a little bit. But I like to perform with like you know barefoot because oh. I feel more comfortable. And I just like took a step back and bam, right in my fucking heel of my foot. I was like, nah, I got tetanus. Yeah, I was gonna say tetanus shot time. <laughs> and I was pretty wasted when I did that one too. So like that was like I felt it probably would have felt worse if I was sober, but I felt I could have avoided that situation if I was sober. Uh what would be some advice for people that are listening that you know are on that fence? Uh, having those same thoughts that you had before you stopped uh, thinking about taking breaks, but always coming back. What would you say to someone that's in that same seat that you were in? I say like, like anything else in life, if you're going to do something, just fucking do it. Like there's no time to really sit and like ponder over something for months when you could just easily make a decision and like start a new path in life. Um, as far as alcohol goes, like, I know a lot of people who drink on occasion and who have like a good time and like they don't like lose themselves to it and it's not really an issue in their lives. And, you know, for them, let's say like, do do you fucking cool. Like, I love the taste of beer. I love alcohol. I I know I love it. I love it too much. That's why I had to stop. And, you know, it's a matter of asking yourself what level of this substance can you handle and like why would you let it like take control of you in a sense? You got to know your limits pretty much. And if you really want to make that change it is a difficult change. It is fucking like, it's stressful. Cause you just like, you see other people, especially at shows, like it's a little harder because you see people are just having fun drinking and you're kind of there. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands, exactly. <laughs> but once you get past that little awkward phase, you kind of relearn how to be like, you know, social, I've relearned how to be social doing this and like I feel better because I feel like I don't need anything to help me be this way. And that's the thing is like, you know, what, what do you need? Do you need to feel comfortable? Do you need to feel like tipsy? Like what do you need and what is this thing giving you and what are the drawbacks of it? So it's all about personal preference. If you feel that you need to change your life and to, cut off this substance it's like i feel you have all the power to do it it's just a little bit of a pain in the ass you just got to be really strict on yourself it's just self-discipline you know you got to hold yourself accountable Mm -hmm. that's excellent excellent advice i love it i love it let's talk about filling the void something that i'm very interested in Uh, for myself i'm very lucky that i have vox and hops that uh, can still run during this pandemic and i still get that uh, little rush of adrenaline like I would get if I was on stage. So how are you filling the void of not being able to perform due to this pandemic? What are you doing? Well, I've done a couple of like little live streams off my Facebook page. It's been, um, for me, just like an outlet so I could at least have some time to whoever supports my music or likes what I do. They at least have something they could see of me that shows not only my progress, but just like a little fun to engage. Um, it's, it's hard not performing because I've, I've always just loved performing, performing like 
I could not make money on tour and it'll suck, you know, and like I'll still deal with it because performing is like my main prerogative of touring for the most part. I love being on stage. I love like getting people riled up and like, you know, having some mosh pits happen. And afterwards, everybody's like having a great time because, you know, you just went up there and you just let it all out there. And like over here, I find myself, you know, I just try to try to jam out on my own, try to like play songs that I like, sing in my car. I play guitar, so I'm like just writing stuff and I find like just getting really stoned or probably taking like a little bit of like, you know, a little microdose of something, you could you could just sit down and vibe out and feel out those emotions that like you would get performing in front of other people. So it's kind of a it is annoying because like I like I like having shows not only for myself performing but like for seeing other people perform because like I don't know about you but like when you go to a show and you're not playing it and you're like watching and like if you haven't played a show in a while you're looking up there and you're like I gotta yes. do something like how come I'm not doing something right now why am I not recording something yes. why am I not on that stage right now he didn't ask me to do guest vocals that bastard yes it's like use that fire you know like i myself like you don't have that fire now because it says just the internet it's a little harder to get that energy through a computer screen it's not the same at all through text as well like people like if you're texting and typing like you don't get tone out of any of that you know you just kind of read it and people process the information whatever way makes sense Mm -hmm. to them but yeah so there's my small live streams are like my attempts to try to be able to still have that connection with whoever wants to pay attention, whoever like enjoys what I do. And yeah, hopefully people enjoy it. I don't know if like, I always have this like overwhelming anxiety of like, they just want to like support me because they like me as a person, but they don't (laughs) actually listen to what I'm saying. But I watched a review somebody did on the flub album and he like spelled out everything I did. I'm like, all right. He understands. (laughs) They understand. He understands. (laughs) But that's being an artist. It made me think like, yeah, no, it made me realize like, damn, I need to start like stepping up my lyric game. Then if people actually are paying attention, (laughs) you have time now. (laughs) Oh yeah. All the time in the world. Not really. That's my thing. This whole pandemic thing is just weird. Everything for a lot of people, obviously, like life stopped for a couple months and then it kept going regardless of what's happening. So I'm in that boat. I'm still trying to work and make money and shit. Even though the music industry stopped, everything else is still going for me and I still feel like I don't have enough free time. So I say for everybody, just try to find that free time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's wrap this up with what would be the best thing that happened because of COVID for you? For me? And get my free time back, I guess. Yeah, like, I, I was already actually planning this. I was telling some friends. Uh, before the pandemic happened, my plan was, I had already had, like, a bunch of client work that was lined up for a few months. And the client work that I had lined up for my photo business was going to pay for my rent, like, three months in advance. Because I just lined up a good amount of good jobs. It's amazing. And I was like, yo, sick, I'm going to work my ass off this month. And I'm going to take a two-month break from, like, the entire world. My plan was to microdose and learn and, like, get better at music and write for two months straight, just, like, isolated from the world. Call it the hyperbolic time chamber <laughs> if you ever watch Dragon Ball Z. And, like, 
that's the thing. Like I said, like I would work so much. I've been working since I was like 16. Wow. So like I'm fucking, I'm about to be 29 and this is like a year and a half of me no longer working in the service industry. So it's about a good 10, 11 years of me working every fucking day of my life. So now it's like, yo, free time. Come over here, dude. Like, <laughs> we're going to do something about this. I'm going to learn how to play guitar. Like, the way I've always wanted to and like actually use my pinky because I was a three finger guitarist for like all of high school. Now I'm like learning my pinky. You forced that pinky to listen. Well, I also broke my pinky like two years ago or something. So it's like now it could, it can move again. So I'm like, yo, I got to like do some sort of rehabilitation for it. So might as well get good at guitar. That's amazing. Michael, thank you so, so much for taking the time talking to me about your life, music, and about being sober right now. It is uh, truly an honor. It was really, uh, I, I really appreciate your honesty and your, how open you were. And I hope that it helps people that are listening. If, if you need help, uh, search for it, find it, and uh, just do it and follow through. And if you need help, there's help out there for you. Thank you so much, Michael. Cheers. Thank you as well. Uh, just big fan of the music. Got a strong voice, and fucking, I appreciate you asking me to be on here as well. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. What an excellent conversation with Michael. What an excellent vocalist this guy is. I don't feel like we got to touch on that enough, but I am a huge fan of his vocals. He's a sick, sick vocalist, and uh, I love all of his projects. He's involved in a lot of stuff, and he's done a lot of things, and I don't feel like we had enough time to cover that. So, so I just wanted to mention that in the outro, Michael's vocals are insane, and I'm a fan, and I think that you guys would like it too, so check out all of his projects please i also really enjoyed how honest he was telling us about the struggles that he had to go through in order to become sober and i found it very interesting how he had a unique different approach to becoming sober than everyone else who i have had on the podcast during sober february his approach of just doing it just stopping and just making it work for him which is amazing and uh, I commend him for that. And just keep it up, Michael. You're doing great. And uh, I can't wait to hang out with you in person really soon, bud. If you enjoyed this Fox and Hops episode, I would strongly encourage you to subscribe to it on the podcast platform of your choice. But not only that, I'd also ask you to rate it and write a review. Because when you do that, more metalheads just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Also, sign up to the Vox and Hops newsletter, which you can do on my website, Vox and Hops. Dot com. That is V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast throughout that past week. Do it, people. Join the party. Sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast newsletter because I don't want you guys missing a single thing. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I have two more episodes coming up this week, one dropping on Thursday and another on Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. 
We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.